Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Kia ora katoa. Hey, I've got two quick questions. Two quick questions for us to start with this morning. Uh, we're going to defrost real fast, okay? Straight into it. And um, perhaps you could give 10 to 15 seconds in your own thoughts to think over these two questions. Number one, what is the biggest thing in your life that you're needing breakthrough on? I'll give you 10 seconds. What is the biggest thing in your life that you're needing breakthrough on, on, on God to come through on? Second question. How full is your faith in Creator God that He can bring about the breakthrough? How full is your faith in Creator God that He can bring about the breakthrough? We're going to circle back to that. Um, In our household, obviously got the five-year-old, three-year-old, and almost one-year-old there, and we um, have some games and stuff. We do the old, you know, the typical horse rides around on the carpet. Um, I can get three on the back. Um, At this point, I think I've sort of got about a one-year time limit on that before the brakes, the back's going to be hurting. Uh, We do uh, crib lifters where I lie on my back and they fly, some people call that Superman, um, where they fly on my feet in the air. Uh, We also do what's called forklift drops, where I lift them up with a forklift right up to the ceiling and then the oil ram breaks in the forklift and they drop into the bed. It's great. Um, but, but the other, the, the fourth and probably the biggest favourite one is big jumps, okay? And big jumps is where you stand on the edge of the bed and you tell dad to go back because you're doing a big jump, okay? You're doing a big one. And um, they stand on the edge of the bed and so Harper's obviously a bit taller and can do the big, big jumps. And so um, if you can imagine, she can probably stand where that wooden stool is and I can stand here and can catch it. It's a big jump, right? But then Autumn, Autumn, hey Autumn, she can do big jumps in her head, okay? And so she stands there and, and Harper goes, back, back, dad, back, 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 dad, back, 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 dad, back, back, back. And so I go back, back, back. I go back, back, back. And then just as they jump, you have to lunge forward. And, and, then, and then Autumn's here and she'll go back, 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 back. So I go back for those big jumps, back, 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 back. And then she jumps and I go like that and catch her. So um, what's really cool about it is there's just this full faith, full faith that dad's going to be there. I've only dropped them once, done it heaps, okay? <laughs> We're talking 1%, there's probably been 100 big jumps, okay? Um, There's good averages, settle down, I'm not a bad dad, it's just happened once. But there's this full faith that they can jump and that they'll make it. And um, the father in this situation has to do the work, really. But the faith is there, the full faith is there. How about you? Um, we've done years of youth work and uh, we had this guy coming along to youth for years and he was a part of the little blue crew, the little blue gang and um, he was born with a, a, a club foot and it has, was getting worse and worse in his life and it was starting to curl over 
um, through his teenage years. He did walk a little bit funny. He's still pretty capable, and he hit it well. But um, he had this foot issue. And one night we talked about healings and miracles at, at youth group. And uh, he asked afterwards if he could have prayer for it. Had this full faith that it would happen. And so I do believe Sarah and I and um, another guy called Andy, I think that's the three of us, we prayed for him. This is going back about seven or eight years. And um, we, we prayed for this guy and uh, we, we put our hands on and, and prayed for his leg and his foot. And he was completely quiet. Um, but we could tell something was going on, and as soon as, as soon as we said amen, as soon as we said amen, he's like, whoa, far out, whoa, he's tripping out. He says, my, my leg was hot and then cold, and it's tingling, and it's pins and needles, and he had this massive moment of healing, and his foot had kind of corrected itself, which was really awesome. Um, and uh, I actually saw him at a game, a league game in Huntley, and he was with all his crew, <laughs> all his blue crew, and then there's Aaron, like, in his farmer clothes, like, hey, mate. And uh, he sort of split from his little crew to come and shake my hand, and I said, how's your foot? And he says, healed, bro, healed. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Uh, we have been for the last four or five weeks looking at the book of Acts. And um, if you were to pick out, pick out the monumental moments in this book, in this book of Acts, the top three would arguably be, number one, the imparting of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the beginning of the Christian church, massive monumental part. And number three, you'd have to say the transformation of Saul to Paul. So today we're diving into that latter story um, of Saul being made new, of being transformed and rewired into Paul. But just before, you're welcome to find Acts 9 if you like, but just before we get into reading this passage, um, I want to fill you in. But rather than doing what we normally do and starting at the start to contextualize, I think in this instance, it helps if we understand the bigger narrative of what comes out of all of this. So rather than fill you in on the build-up to this, today's chapter, here is some of the stuff that got built upon the actions of today's character in chapter 9. Um, so the results of Acts chapter 9 is this profoundly pivotal character of Paul. Now, Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament in the Bible. His teaching, writing, and example ultimately shaped the beginning of the church. Paul was a developer of people, a communicator of truth, a leader, a pastor, a missionary, a mentor, a theologian, a sharp and creative writer who gives depth and understanding to the gospel, a fatherly figure to others, who calls out corruption and sin and tells people to check themselves against God's standard, yet is full of grace and love like Jesus. Paul is a hero of the faith, a beacon of truth, and an example of living by God's Spirit. Does anyone find Paul inspirational? But all of that, all of who he was, and all that the church became and has become, and all that is 
been written by him that we live off today wouldn't have come to fruition if Paul's transformation in Acts chapter 9 didn't take place. Just as generations build upon generations, movements are built on what has gone before. This church, Huntley Baptist Church, is the fruit of the movement of Jesus that was commissioned by Jesus, the Messiah, but was propelled into action by Paul 2,000 years ago. I'm actually, um, maybe it's a bit of the farmingness in me, but I'm always intrigued by cause and effect. Um, the things that start the ball rolling, the things that get things happening, and then the effects that happen later on. Um, and this church is the fruit of what has gone before. This whole thing of cause and effect of what is sown is what is reaped, what is planted is what brings out the results. There is 2,000 years of cause and effect of sowing and reaping in the spiritual. And you would have to say that the cause and effect of Paul on this world is massive. That Paul's effect leading to today over a billion Christians today, it's a massive thing that has flowed on from the actions and the inspiration of Paul through Jesus' power. It's God doing the work. So that was Paul, but backing the truck up, um, who was Saul? Who was Saul? Most of us know that in Acts, uh, Paul's transformation was so utterly comprehensive it included God giving him a new name. Saul of Tarsus, that was where he's from, the hateful oppressor, became Paul, the dynamic leader of the Jesus movement. This story is like a turning point in Acts and is so significant, the story is actually told three times in Acts and then again in further, story, in further books of the Bible. This redemptive story is found in Acts chapter 9, I think it's 22 and 26. Saul, if we just get a bit of context of Saul, before this chapter that we're about to read, Saul was born a Jew outside of Israel. Saul was an intense and brutal guy. And his transformation from one extreme to the other was profound. As John MacArthur, the US Bible teacher, says, the conversion of this man was the pivot on which the future of the church turned. And it was fitting that because of the massive importance of his conversion, that it be a unique conversion because Saul was such a unique individual. By birth, a Jew. By conviction, a Pharisee. By citizenship, a Roman. By education, a Greek. And then, by the grace of God, a Christian. So Saul was a Jew um, born outside of Israel, known as a Hellenistic Jew. He grew up in, in that world and in the synagogues and was extremely devout and he was extremely legalistic in terms of the law, everything so black and white, brutally black and white. This belief structure ran to his bones. Uh, we can assume that he was highly educated for the reasons that Tarsus was one of the top three universities in the Roman world, along with um, Athens and Alexandria, and Saul 
was called a young man in scripture with a very high position at a young age at close orders to the high priest. So he would have had to be a sharp, strong and studied young man in that world to have a job like that at a young age. So he was very devout. Scripture speaks of his anger. He was very angry and he was hugely legalistic about keeping the place of the Jewish Pharisaic religion. Jesus and the growing wave of believers were the greatest threat to the status quo that he held to and that actually held him in a position of power. Scripture speaks of him laying waste to the church in Jerusalem, as in the people. Saul was on a war path. He was on a rampage to destroy this movement and nip it in the bud. Saul was kind of the muscle man for the high priest. He did all the dirty work for the high priest. And he was the ringleader of the JC crew beaters. Does that sound gangster or what? <laughs> What's your job, Saul? Oh, I'm the ringleader of the JC crew beaters. Um, in chapter 7, after the evangelist, the Christian evangelist Stephen, has preached a whopper of a sermon at the Sanhedrin, um, Saul actually orchestrated for him to be dragged outside and they stoned Stephen to death. It says that Saul was there and the crew laid the clothes of Stephen at his feet, which means that he was basically in charge. He had called for it. And that he approved of the stoning. That he approved of the stoning. That's not like voting yes in the referendum in September, approving of the stoning. No, it was like, there's the biggest rocks, okay? He was pointing out where the biggest rocks were. That was Saul. This set off a series of events where the early church was scattered apart from the apostles and people went everywhere. This whole movement kind of just like disintegrated um, with everyone going everywhere but still holding the faith in their hearts. And all through Jerusalem, Saul and his crew would knock on doors and if you had any connection or allegiance to Jesus or the movement or the way as he would call it, uh, you'd be dragged out and thrown in prison. Not only did he want to clear up the stuff in Jerusalem, he then got authority from the high priest um, that, if he, that he could go out and basically hunt down anyone who was a part of this movement. So he would chase people to where they'd gone and where they'd scattered to grab them and haul them back into prison back in Jerusalem. He was given the chance to either contain them or destroy them from the high priest. So Saul was on a mission, a very evil mission, a mission of stamping out this vibrant faith that had gone viral. Not like Wuhan viral, but spreading pretty fast, okay? <laughs> Saul was on a mission. So we pick up in Acts 9 verse 1, if you've got your Bibles or phones or apps. Um, verse 1, chapter 9. Uh, sorry, yeah, chapter 9 verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, 
Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Have you ever had a really big light in the morning? You know, and your eyes are still, I had that this morning, had very little sleep, and Autumn turned on my nightlight about that far from my eyelids. And it was like, hello life, hello Sunday. It was like that, but way bigger, okay? It was brighter than the sun. Brighter than the sun, I think another passage says. Um, Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see, he couldn't, could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Straight Street, I think it must have been built by Dad. Dad likes everything straight. On the farm, every fence, every race, everything's going to be straight. Every, everything he parked, straight. Must have been built by him. Okay. Were you in Damascus about, no, 2,000 years ago? Getting out your plumb level and eyeing it up? No, no, okay. Go to the straight, straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. God's orchestrating all this stuff together. Okay. Um, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Pretty cool, eh? Pretty powerful. Saul spent several days, uh, we just read that, sorry. Like all scripture, there is layers And you can take a lot from the story. 
I'm sure you're all thinking of layers to the story already. But instantly you can look at the truth that God can use anyone. Amen? Even a hate-filled ex-murderer can be used to build his kingdom. That is a powerful truth. And the extension of that is that when we see people, we need to see people how God sees them. And never wear a lens of judgment or rule people out of what God's plans and purposes could be for their lives. When we meet people and work with people, we need to see where they could be with God's help and pray and believe that He will do the work. And if it's you that feel unworthy of big things for God because of your past, because of what you've done, just please know today that with repentance, God will rebuild and use you. And God is willing to use anyone, no matter where you've been or what you've done. The other truth that maybe you could quite quickly get into is, is that God outworks His plans direct at times. That Jesus actually speaks directly to both Saul and Ananias in an incredible intervention. You know, the extension of that truth is that we need to pursue hearing His voice and have our hearts, minds, spirits and discernment aware despite the madness of, of, of modern life. I, I hardly stop in my weeks and this is a real struggle for me. But if we're not hearing, it's only us doing the steering. If we're not hearing, it's only us doing the steering. I mean, not all of us get hit by like a lightning bolt of light and have a voice on a roadside. Um, and, and Ananias, the, the direct intervention was in a dream. But I'm sure a lot of people in this room would have heard God's voice before. If you haven't, that's something you can pray for. I have two or three times, I believe, in my life. And we need to be people, if we want to see breakthrough and change happen, we need to be people who are hearing God's voice. And a lot of that is the atmosphere and condition that we put ourselves in in our weeks. But, so those are some, some first thoughts, but the main thought, the main revelation and inspiration that I got from reading this again is the profound and powerful part that Ananias got to play in bringing about God's plan for Saul's life. Here's a question for you. Would have we had Paul, the legend, the hero, the man, the myth, no. Would have we had Paul if Ananias had lived in fear of Saul rather than faith in Jesus? Would have we had Paul if Ananias had lived in fear of Saul rather than faith in Jesus? You know, we're not puppets on a string. Um, you may have heard me say this before. There's this grand production called Life, and God has written a script. But we all are independent actors who have our turn on the stage of life. And we have a part to play, a role to fulfill. We can go off script and have that awkward moment 
in the school play. <laughs> we can go off script and do our own things, or we can follow the author to a T and add to this grand story. We can do our own script and have our own little one-man show that no one cares about or watches. Okay? But the show keeps going. We can have a part to play in it. The story keeps unfolding. I mean, you th could theologically say, hey, well, if Ananias hadn't stepped up to the plate, God had his man. He had his plan, and surely, you know. But that's kind of beside the bite. That's, that doesn't matter when you actually think about it and say, hey, Ananias was given an opportunity to step up in faith, and he did. He was freaking out. He's like, um, so God, you do know what he's been doing in Jerusalem. You do know the kind of, he's nasty, okay? He is not a good guy. And um, I love that the Lord didn't even reason with him. He's just like, go. Like I've said it. <laughs> just shut your trap and go, man. Um, yeah. Ananias, who is this faithful believer and likely local Christian leader, who quite likely had been scattered along with all the crew, is in Damascus and gets spoken to by God, and it's his scene and moment in the grand narrative. He hears what he has to do, but being completely real and honest, he says to the Lord, I've heard about this guy. He's freaking out, and the Lord says, go. And guess what? He steps up and goes to the house. This is amazing. We cannot perhaps relate to that kind of fear. Maybe some of you, I've never been in a situation where it's like, go and sort out someone who's trying to kill you. Like, that's huge. And he stays faithful to what God has asked. So we've been taking a while to land on this title of this sermon, but I've actually got written at the top of this thing, being faithful for the breakthrough. Being faithful for the breakthrough. Ananias had a choice. He could have ignored, excused, escaped, argued back. He could have given into fear, but he is real, he is honest, and he steps up in faith. He goes, he turns up. A lot of what God has for us to do starts with turning up. Just getting there. To that event. To that house. To that person. To that hospital bed. To that cafe. To that gathering. To that Bible study to that community project. He just has to go. He just has to turn up. See, Ananias was an enabler. What he was called to do was partner with God to bring about a healing and a breakthrough for Saul, who was going on to change the world. He was an enabler. And we all have a part to play. Some of us small, some of us big, some practical, some pastoral, we all have a part to play. I drove past the church the other day and Shane, who isn't actually here today, eh? No. Shane was weed eating the edges and uh, he had that thing fair swinging. He's like, Wah! and there's just grass coming out onto the road. People are putting their window wipers on. The grass over at the Mormon church was just like going over in fear. Um, he was just hacking that thing. And, and I, was actually, I actually knew what mum and dad were doing that day, which was a pastoral thing. And I was thinking, actually, Shane, because Dad quite often weed eats the place, Shane was enabling ministry to happen elsewhere. Eh? And, and the grass was not being enabled. Okay? It was being disabled. Okay? 
See, we all have a part to play. I should, shouldn't probably single out some, some one person because there's, so there's probably 40 people serving, uh, enabling in this place. But um, that's what I saw this week and I thought, man, we all have a part to play, eh? We all have a part to play. Ananias put his faith and dependence in God at the centre of his decisions. He chose his divine purpose over his earthly fear and distress. I love how Ananias just went with the promise. He didn't second guess. He goes to see Saul and he confidently delivers God's healing, God's promise and God's Holy Spirit. Saul takes on the Holy Spirit and becomes a new man. See, the breakthrough came after the faithfulness. The breakthrough of a changed life so often comes after the actions of us being full of faith, faithful. And the book of Acts, these actions, is really a book of acting on faith, actually doing it, not just having these years of belief, which maybe had predated a lot of stuff before Acts. See, for years, believing, um, we did this thing at youth group called Believing is Seeing, because a lot of people say, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, you show me and I'll start believing. And we actually discussed that we should talk about believing first and we will see what God wants to do. And we had all these testimonies where we believed first and God came through. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be believing first, being faithful first, and the breakthrough comes. Are you needing a breakthrough this morning? Are you needing a miracle in your life? That thing you thought about, first question, start of the sermon. Are you needing a miracle in your life? Are you needing a miracle or a breakthrough in your job situation? Are you needing a miracle in your family, in your marriage, in your own self, in your business, in your money, in your health, in your kids, in your mental health? Are you needing friends to refine Jesus or friends to find Jesus for the first time? Are you needing a breakthrough with an addiction or with anger or with worry or stress? I don't know where you're at this morning, but what's cool is God does. He sees your fear and he hears your cries and he sees your need. He knows what's ahead and he can work in our lives through us when we are full of faith. You know, the woman who reached out after years of sickness, reached out for the hem of Jesus' cloak, she was full of faith. Faithful first, breakthrough came. Jesus heals her, says your faith has healed you. Jairus loses his daughter. He believes Jesus is the Redeemer first. Faithful first, breakthrough comes. Jairus' daughter comes back to life. The guys who lowered their crippled mate in through the roof. Faithful first, breakthrough happened. The sinful woman with the expensive alabaster jar poured out this huge value, all that she had, that God was enough. Faithful first, Jesus brings about forgiveness for all of her rotten life. Now, I know you're sitting there and you're going, yep. I believe it, I believe it, but it's actually not that simple, Aaron. <coughs> Some of you might be saying, hey, I've been faithful for years and I'm still waiting on a breakthrough. Or I've tried to be faithful to God, God's ways, but it hasn't worked. 
or I've tried to be faithful to God's ways, but others have broken me rather than having a breakthrough. Or I've been faithful, but it hasn't felt like I've grown, changed or experienced God in years. It's like I'm paying the power bills, but the lights aren't on. And God, where are you at? Maybe some of you are like that. Hey, I just want to say that's actually normal, scriptural, and kind of how it happens. <laughs> um, Amy, Amy's had a, a health condition which affects her nerves and muscles for 15 years. Still praying for a breakthrough. Um, you know, two chapters earlier, just to go to the other full, full-on extreme, two chapters earlier, Stephen... He preaches this amazing sermon in the Sanhedrin. Like, basically, Pharisees, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay, really powerful sermon. He was wanting, he was faithful. Did he get a breakthrough? He got killed. Like, that's discouraging. Hey. <laughs> he, he got, he got, yeah, he got, he got martyred, he got resurrected. But, I'm not this morning saying A plus B equals C, okay? But faithfulness is the thing that leads to breakthrough. And I could argue that as Stephen was finishing up and they're like, take him out, kill him, kill him. And he prays out to God, praises God and says, forgive them for what they're about to do. And Saul's standing there, Saul's standing there and he's overseeing the stoning of this guy. I mean, maybe we're reading something into Scripture here, but could have Saul been standing there going, he's just prayed for my forgiveness? This is two chapters before Damascus. See, sometimes the faithfulness isn't seen in our lives. The faithfulness wasn't seen in Stephen's, Stephen's life. He got killed. But the fruit that came two chapters later, you could attribute a portion to the example and the faithfulness of Stephen Stephen and Ananias built their faithfulness towards Paul being this earth-shaking, kingdom-building leader. Uh, Maybe you this morning are needing some sort of breakthrough in your life, in your health. Maybe you're wanting to experience God again. Maybe there's been something going down that none of us know about that you need to bring into the light that God wants to pray um, you know, God wants to be amongst and we want to pray for. Maybe, maybe you've felt like you've just got nothing to offer. Maybe you feel like you're just sort of this kind of floater that doesn't have a calling or a purpose. God has a purpose for each of us. He's created all of us. And He actually doesn't ever stuff up. He doesn't create a mistake There is a reason you're here. There's a reason you're made. There's a reason the heart beats in your chest and there's a reason that God has put His Spirit in you. And there is a thing that God has for you to do. Whether you're 5, 9, 13, 75, 80, God has stuff for us to do. Faithfulness is what leads to the breakthrough and it can be things that go into the next generation. Paul wrote this to the Galatians. I have been crucified, this is Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, what happened is because of Stephen, Stephen and Ananias' faithfulness, breakthrough happened with Paul, and Paul unleashed breakthrough to all of these cities, all of these churches, and this flourish of life grow, grew. He spoke these words to the Galatians. The transformation of Saul to Paul, just landing this thing, finishing up here, the transformation of Saul to Paul and the part that Ananias played speaks of how God wants to work with us. It was the enabling faith of Stephen and Ananias that created the breakthrough for Paul to come to Christ. So here's some last questions. Where is our faith at today? Have you given the biggest concerns of your life to God this week? What are the promises you are waiting for? What is the breakthroughs that you need to be believing for, praying for, and working toward? God is the God of breakthrough. He wants our heart, and in faithfulness, He'll do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for Acts chapter 9 and, and the unfolding power of Paul's ministry. And this scripture, these stories aren't some old stories, God. We know that they are the building blocks of where we stand today. That we stand on the shoulders of generations who have been inspired by your truth and by people stepping up and being faithful. And God, we pray we would be faithful in our days, faithful in our time, and faithful for those in the future. We pray that this town would be built upon people who seek out your ways, follow you, Jesus. And God, we ask you in and through our lives afresh this morning. I pray for people wherever they're at this morning that, God, you would be the breakthrough in their life. We ask you to speak to us again to intervene, and we pray that we would be faithful and that you would do the work in us so that breakthrough can happen in your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.